Welcome to episode 824 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right here, team. Welcome along to episode 824 of Iron Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Arms. How you going, mate? Pretty good. Fingers are starting to move a little more freely. A little fresh in Christchurch today. A little bit of frost out there. A bit cold, mate. A bit, a bit cold in the morning. Mm. You rode right up here? Packing myself coming down your bloody little side street. There's a bit of moisture on the, uh, on oh, the really? road. I was like, oh my God, today is not the day I want to crash. There's the, the walkway has lots of moss on it. Oh, it's very steep. It's very. You do not go on the walkway. It's probably. Between, tw- it's probably about twenty percent. Bevan's. Uh, you don't get frost up here, but yeah, we've been here four or five years now. Maybe mm. five years, maybe four or five. Um, and we've had one frost on the road. You know, like it, you know, strong get, start to show. Oh, we're talking weather. People, people we're talking weather and frost. People are laughing about the frost on my street. Yeah, <laughs> I talk as proudly brought to you by our awesome patrons. You go first. Magic uh, Zikant Big Miss Good old Joe Spragans Aragon Now I saw photos of him And his partner They're always running mm-hmm. They're always They are like Forrest Gump partnerships yeah. And I think she had A really good run somewhere But he's always got Photos of them running Nice work And Philip The Black Jacket Killy Colt There we go You guys are amazing If you want to become a patron Go dub 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 I'm talk to me And this week's show We've got some news We've got a hot topic of the week We've got John's quiz question mm-hmm. Age group of the week Are we going to get through all this? I uh, don't know. Rob Dillon, well, how long did you talk to him for? Yeah, no, we probably won't do the, the, the maybe high five that I've got in there. Maybe save that for next week. Okay. But Rob Dallymore, he's going to, going to talk a little bit about uh, Zwift ty- team time trialling, which is something I'm keen to have a little play around with, and Rob's an expert in that area. Um, maybe a high five, which we're pretty much saying is not going to happen. Questions and answers, winger of the week. Uh, John needs to take the voice recorder to Kona. There's yes. a big note on yeah, my notes. Big note here. at the top. Do not forget the voice recorder. Okay, guys, we had Lanzarote happen over the weekend. John wasn't the strongest field, but what do you reckon? Well, we had it wasn't maybe not the strongest, but we had a course record on the men's run course and a women's uh, bike course record. So pretty impressive. Whenever you've got somebody with a Jeez. Great Britain flag next to their name in the females field, you go, yeah, they're probably going to do pretty decent. Uh, Lydia Dant, never heard of her before. She swam one hour, rode a 5.19, which is a course record, and ran a 3.09 for a 9.37.25, and she was a couple of minutes quicker than Els Visser. Uh, so good win for her on Pro Iron Distance debut, um, which is pretty awesome to win your first race. She yeah. only got two results so far. She did 70.3 Lanzarote in March, and she also did it in back in October last year. She had a fifth and a seventh, so she obviously likes the longer stuff. Good on her. On the boys' side, you had uh, Kenneth Vanderslice, who swam 57, rode a 456, and then ran a smoke in 240 to win it in 239 over Matthias Peterson and Philip bulky haven't heard of any of those top three except for Kenneth Vanderslice and the only reason I know of him is because of Zwift racing during lockdowns he was doing really really well in the the, the Zwift sort of tri-league they had going at one stage I think he's more of a duathlete and the 57 minute swim would probably reflect that uh, but good on him what about Bart Arnott's way down the field you would have expected him to be high. like he's 37 he's not that old yeah but maybe he was doing it more of a training day he was over there on a camp um, giving him the benefit of the doubt yeah because they would he get ninth or something yeah or 10th uh, so yeah, th- yeah, for him running a three oh five, 
uh, off a five-hour bike ride, yeah, I would have thought that that's. Well, if you look at the pro rankings, and Dawson has where they sit overall in the in the field, he sits at ninety-two percent of the run field. So you wouldn't. That's mm. a very slow day for him. Yeah, You'd expect him to be at, at minimal two fifty. Yeah, so quite a few DNFs there, especially on the boys' side. Uh, like if I look at like you did, I mean Maroka, um, and he did two forty-three in that run. Yeah, no, he's he's, he's still not past it, you know. Be very surprised to see him on the podium in Kona again, but um, he's still a good athlete. So tenth in that kind of field, I think it was either a training day or a really really bad day. Just didn't happen for him on the day. We also had a lot of seventy point threes happening over the weekend, Jumbo. We did. We had the Challenge Championship in Summerin, which is where they have the Collins Cup. No surprise here. Well, Sarah on the, the female side, Sarah um, Perez. That's a really impressive result for her. So I would say that's a big surprise. She's a really good swimmer, really good biker. Wonder on the bike. Yeah, and she's you know an okay runner. And for her to beat Emma Pallant Brown, Lucy Buckingham, Fenella Langridge, and Ashley Gentle, that's pretty uh, no mean feat. So good on her. Uh, then on the boys' side, no great surprise as Bevan said on that. Uh, well, no, there was uh, surprises. No surprise, Gustav Eden won. Um, however. Or surprising is I watched a tensy bit of the coverage. And if you start giving Ironman crap about the coverage, the coverage on this race, Belinda Grange is um, a bit like the Ironman commentators. Yep. You know, she's just a that's motor great. mouse. She'll yep. talk all day, and that's that's what you need in that. The picture coverage was fine, but from a spectator point of view, I went on there a couple of times, and I'm like, there's no graphics update here whatsoever. I've got absolutely no idea what the hell is going on here. At least on most Ironman races these days, um, they're going to have that sort of leaderboard um, up there pretty regularly. Is that one question is, is it needed? Because let's be honest, most of us have a multiple screen watching experience nowadays. So like, if you watch a Kona, do you have the app open? Like, I get what you're saying. In the yep. perfect world, that would be the case. Mm-hmm. But if they had like an app that was giving you lots of updates as well, is it so needed now? Well... Just using this one as an example, then I would have had to have gone, I don't even know if I've got the challenge app or anything like that, uh, so I would have had to go and download another yep. app, and for, for a one-off, I was like, I just want to know what the hell's going okay, on here. Because yeah. Gustav Eden, uh, I saw he came out of the swim, he had a shocker of a swim, got on his bike, and you see him taking it off the bike rack, and you see him just sort of tilting his head to the side going, oh shit, something's not right here, and, what was and f- five metres later, he checks his uh, front tyre, and he had a flat, a flat oh, or a, a half flat front tyre, luckily he got it pumped up, and it seemed to, uh, sounds like it held okay for the for the race, um, so that wasn't a surprise that he won, what was surprising is Richard Varga um, managed to hold on for second place on the run, with a 1.12.54, he's a very good swimmer, usually led out um, the World Triathlon Series races for a lot of the t- years and then he'd sometimes bike in the breakaway and then he'd be nowhere on the run he'd still do okay but he wouldn't probably be in the top 10 or so yep. um, so for him to do that was pretty impressive because it was a good field you had Thomas Steger um, Mickey uh, Tagholt in there Kyle Smith was said he was had okay with his run um, but he felt like rubbish on the bike so reasonable field so if Richard Varga to get second good on him and so he's done a lot of World Series triathlon yeah um, future, and he's future from long course um, I would have thought so. He's done a few long courses, and this is the first time he's shone out. But he is from either Slovakia or Slovenia. I think that's Slovakia. And I'm pretty sure Sam Marin is in Slovakia, okay. I think. So, oh, hometown uh, race, um, I think. TC Huta Beba. Oh, yeah. Oh, you love me. Well, no, it wasn't actually. It was um, You're a Hot Babe. Oh. 
Thank yeah, you. Because I, I, I hung out for Girl from Slovakia for, yeah. for four days once. Yeah. Um, I mean, 70.3 Chattanooga. It was the North American Championships. Uh, females, Jackie Hearing took it out in a pretty comfortable race. She did a really good run outrunning Paula Finland, Holly Lawrence. So I watched a tense bit of that. She was pretty impressive. Boys Could race. Could see Marinda racing. Yeah. Pulled fit. off the fifth. Yeah. She, I'll tell you what was impressive is we had her on the show, see that earlier this year, it might have been late last year, Tamara Jewett, around 114.53. Jeez. And that's like, Jackie Herring is one of the best runners in the sport on the female side. And for her to put, you know, three and a half minutes into her. Now, it doesn't help when you ride a 238. No, <laughs> she needs to work on a bike. But, um, but that's pretty impressive. On the boys' side, Jason West took it out. He ran a 109, uh, beating out Matt Hansen and Rudy Von Berg. So Tom came, O'Donnell as well. Yeah, came down. Tim O'Donnell was first off the bike. Where did oh, he finish really? up? He got uh, sixth. Sixth. And then, yeah, Ben Canute in ninth. So, yeah, pretty, pretty good, good field. field. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, we also had a 70.3 Marbella. And Nikki Bartlett took that out along with Christoph de Kaiser. And then Pays, 70.3 Pays de Alx. How do you say that? Pays Dax. Pays um, Barbara Rivera, she's still going. Uh, she took out the females race pretty close, only 30 seconds in it in front of Alexia Bailey. And on the boys' side, Clement Mignon took it out by about four minutes from Scott Steenberg. Okay, coming up this weekend, we've got one of the old classic I-Men's. This may be one of the, the, the original five, was it? I-Men well, Brazil. Well, no, it's been, it has been around for a long time. And I did it used to be at a different location? Can't remember. But yeah, it has been around It was always since King Glass Race, wasn't it? You yeah. always take lots of people to try, try travel. What was, what was the name of his, um, Endurance, Endurance Sports, Sports travel. travel? Yeah. He'd always take lots of people away to that race. And, Two, and he even ran it for a while, didn't he? Yeah, 2005 it's been going since. Obviously, the last few editions haven't happened. Last time it was raced was 2019. The Brazilian field happening on the males race? It is indeed. So they've got two kind of slots for the boys and girls, only $25,000 paying deep. Go, you're not going to get much for winning this race. Ronaldo Colucci seated number one. He keeps going and going and going. And uh, we'll see who else rocks up in the internationals front. But mostly, as Bevan said, Brazilians, Sarah Svence on the female side, along with Grutz Fraz Laralde. Uh, so, yeah. Good Andy stuff. Potts won in 2019. Yeah. That might have been his last professional win. Yeah, look, I know he's still racing. Yeah. Um, but no, not too shabby when you go 802.57. Yeah. yeah. And we had uh, way back in 2017, the Halo man, Tim Don, took it out in 740. Um, was that the year he had the crash? It probably was, was it? Uh, quite possibly, Because yes. he was looking pretty sharp then, I remember. Because that might have been the world record time. Remember we were having big disputes around, Yeah. you know. So it's amazing how fast it's got already in the last... The last mm. eight years of racing, mm. the men's speed in particular has gone to another level. It has indeed. It's pretty awesome. Okay, not much else happening, so let's get into the hot topic. What do you think about the wild? What do you think the wild card criteria should be? For example, should Brownlee and Charles get a wild card for the Ironman World Championships in Kona? I've got a gripe, Bevan. Okay, tell me your gripe. You, you, you're trimming my. Um, you're trimming my questions on. Facebook. Well, because sometimes, well, this one's not that long, but um, you've got to have the big post. And when you put too many words in, it goes to a small post. The crux of this post, I want to know, would you give Brownlee and, say, Lucy Charles a wild card for Kona this year? Now, as it turns out... You should have put that as your question. Yeah. As it turns out, 
Torsten um, corrected us. I think well, he said Lucy Charles will be fine for Kona this year if she wants to go. She doesn't need to validate because she won the 70.3 last year and I think they've just changed it with COVID stuff going on. It sounds yeah, so like it sounds like if you win it, you, you don't have to validate for this year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. For this oh, so you think it's a one-off? Yeah. That's, normally, you've got to validate. Okay. Um, however, Alistair Brownie's in a different, different, um, different, I don't know, different situation. So what do people say? What do people say, Bevan? Bim, uh, how do you say his name? Palasa? Um, I don't think there should be wild cards for pros, although I fully agree that a few alternatives to having qualified in a season leading up to the World Championships in case of injury. Slots for previous Kona podiums, 70.3 podiums, and Olympic individual podiums, champions for the last five years, second and third three years or third and second years, I'm not quite sure what that means, uh, should ensure that the best are all eligible to race anyway. More spots and prize money for the regional championships should also hopefully attract a stronger field to those races and get the best racing the best more often. Money solves everything, eh? It does money. <laughs> it's not something well, that well, I let's, let's just touch on that a little bit. The regional championships haven't, Slightly better fields in certain races, mm. but it's not like we're getting the rock stars c- competing. You really have Kona, maybe Germany. Even then, yeah, it's not as strong as it used to be, is it? Yeah, you and know. So, if anything, maybe the regional championships has diluted it more. Yeah, I would agree with that. But this is a whole angle that the PTO are going for with these, the US Open, the Canadian Open. They want everybody there, yeah. and you've got to throw a lot of money at it. So, Ben, you're right in terms of that's what you got to do, but. In Iron Man's case, to that, why would they want to spend all that money? What's the upside versus the downside? I th- uh, I think well, the other thing the PTO have is it's, it's a pros organisation, so they, mm. they want to support that. But basically, Ben's saying he, he doesn't think there should be wild cards unless basically injured. Yeah. David O'Brien, racing their age group and pay an entry fee. Hmm. Then you get people complaining about pros yeah, racing yeah. in age groups. Andy Ashton says, are you Alistair Brownlee? Here's your wild card. Oh, so he likes it. Yeah. Uh, Ian Hursley, White Lightning's got, um, how about PTO ranking as of, say, mid-August if you otherwise haven't gotten a slot? So let's say your ranking's high enough, mm-hmm. that still gets you a slot as well. Which is what they used to do, wasn't it? Well, yeah, the ranking? It, it, there was a ranking system at one stage. However, are Ironman going to use PTO's ranking system? Don't think so. No. So th- I like the theory. If there was a, a, a legitimate world ranking that everybody recognised, then it might work. But in this case, they're not going to look at anything that PTO does by the sound of it. Uh, okay, there's a few random ones here. Um, doing 50 push-ups, hematocrit levels. Uh, I don't, um, Rob Bing, I don't think there should be wild cards for pros. Everyone else has to qualify. If they don't make it, tough. Luke Glimmer has got here... Um, uh, what am I saying? They should consider the athlete in two categories. One, media attention that they would attract. Two, potential to excite the race. So, for example, if Johnny Brownlee was interested, he should get a wild card. He would uh, 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 he should get a wild card. He would score high in both areas, as would say uh, Gwen Jorgensen if she wanted to race Kona as well. Which, yeah, I agree. That's a good point. Um, Garth Ridley possibly give to a top age grouper who has yet to turn pro using Ironman's um, to get like an AWA ranking anyway with uh, the top age grouper each year yes they're amazing they're generally going to get their socks completely oh, blown yes. off it's in the a, pro it's race it's a different game it's a totally different yeah. beast and there's, we've no, seen there's no age group who's going to win Kona and, and they're not going to even be competitive like 
Yeah. You, we've seen, you know, say, say Ruth Astle is a good example. She was, she actually won Kona overall, I think, the last time. And it's taken her a while to build up. And, you know, now she's, you know, you could say she's a, yeah, potential top 10 contender and she had a really good race in St George um, but she's not going to win it and it's not somebody I'd probably go and give a wild card to Xavier Kop, um, Kopok has got I think pros need to qualify for their licenses each year it's way easy to get a pro license that's kind of a random thought yeah I kind of there's different there's no great criteria for qualifying as a pro like yeah. you and I raced as pros it's slightly different now and it's different from country to country yeah, in terms of getting a pro pros. license we yeah. were amazing pros <laughs> uh, pros working you know 40 50 hours a week <laughs> right. uh, last one I'll do David Hale in the last 12 months have gone sub eight for men sub nine for women be quite a few in that basket these days I like the thinking but yeah, these days good, yeah. sub eight is yeah Stock standard. Yeah, but you're still of quota quality, aren't you? Yes. You know, uh, Richard Swan's got popularity and vote on social media. And if one single piece of opposition comes from social media, then the invitation will have to be withdrawn. <sighs> Richard, you're being a wally. You know you are. You're being a cheeky bugger. Okay, John, your thoughts? Uh, so I've got my criteria down here. And I don't think the wild card has ever been used so far since it's been introduced. So, so it is actually there? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so maybe we're just doing a bit of a storm in a teacup here. Yeah. However, hey, we need something to talk about. <laughs> yeah, my my criteria would be with the wild cards. You can only ever get a wild card once. Um, it must be due to an injury, and the criteria I'd sort of set down is you must be a past seventy point three world champion in the last three years, have been in the co- the podium in Kona in the last three years, or be a past world triathlon series or Olympic champion. And so, but judging by those criteria. I would you would give Lucy Charles a slot because she's both the seventy point three world champ and she's had a top three in Kona theoretically in the last three years with COVID and all that sort of stuff going on, um, and I w- and she's been injured with Brownlee though he hasn't he has been injured I suppose he's been a bit sick but this injured. is the problem because what's an injury yeah and, and, and what's and, the time frame yeah and do you say was COVID an injury has well? it to be I a mean, month injury yeah you know and you know because realistically. Lucy, has she qualified? Yeah, she's qualified. So, but I, last week I wasn't sure if she had to validate okay, somewhere. Okay, but in a normal year she'd have to validate. Mm. So you're saying because she's of this level, she could basically not race a race, mm. turn up and race and do it. Mm. So maybe needs a little fleshing out. <laughs> but the Brownlee is it's just you just want be, Brownlee there. Well, no, it's just a really interesting um, situation because he's going to go off and do the sub sub seven sub eight, nothing to do with. Ironman as a company and that's going to compromise his chance to qualify for Kona and then he'll want a Kona slot and I'm not being nasty to him or anything it's just the way that things have panned out and he would have assumed he'd get a Kona slot at, um, at the World Champs and he was six so couldn't do that so yeah, he's in a, in a sticky situation I think the wild card I just want you want to see these people there and I know it's not fair well, it's like the Olympians having the Olympians there yeah those would have been a wild card yes Yep. So that would have been like like last year's race didn't happen, mm. but there would have been an, an activation of the wild card. Mm. To me, that's great. Mm. You know, so I kind of get whoever it was who said um, that kind of media attention and and ability to actually bring something to the race. It's, it's such a such a catch twenty two, isn't it? Because if you've worked hard to get your qualification and it's the system, that's awesome. And but you never want to have it where it's depriving somebody who qualified legitimately. Yeah. So if there's going to be 50, 50 people on this, the qualifying criteria, then this extra is going to be number 51. Yeah. Now, the thing is, 
Also, let's say I'm a, you know, could potentially get in the top 10. Then Brownlee turns up and it just kicks me out of slot. Mm. That'd annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> like it would. Yeah. You know, like if let's say I've got 11. It's top 15 now. Okay, let's, yeah. say, let's even just say okay, I've got 15th. Yeah. And then oh, I've got 16th and Brownlee mm. turned up and he got a free slot. I'd be a bit annoyed. You'd be a bit annoyed, but it's like, yeah, just get faster. This yeah, is, but, I, I but, think, but, but yes and no. Yeah. I think people like... I'd, I'd qualify it. He hadn't. Mm. I, I heard like in Coast to Coast when Braden Curry came along and he got this late last minute entry yeah. and it didn't help that his brother was uh, the race director. Well, also you don't have to qualify for that race. No. Uh, and, and then the same situation, you know, he would have put a lot of people out of money, but hey, it's like you're, if you're racing in a pro race, But that's a little titties. different because it wasn't fear. It was fear. This one, if, yeah, it's such a Because I actually think I deep down, I want the best field there. Hmm. You know what I mean? Deep down. But you want it to be fair. Yeah, and that's where it's a catch-22 mm. because if Brownlee doesn't qualify, he shouldn't be there. Mm. But I want him there. Mm. Yeah, tricky. Oh, it's a, anyway. Life's tough, John. If I was deciding this year, I'd, I'd get him in. Okay. Because he's he ain't got much left in the tank, I don't reckon. I really reckon we've seen the last of Brownlee. <laughs> well, who knows? He doesn't seem to be very consistent. So not a long course, does he? Yeah. Okay. This week's discussion is what have been the best things you've watched while you're on your indoor trainer in 2022. Now, John, mm. are we saying training related stuff here? Yeah. Uh, no, it can be anything. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anything that gets dangerous. you going on the trainer. <laughs> Uh-huh. Anything to get you going on the trainer. Let's keep this PC team. Yes. Okay, let's go. John's mm. weekly quiz. What was the run split at the Sydney Olympics versus the Tokyo Olympics? Wait, is he trying to tell me how fast they ran? Like for the 10K run, I was just thinking yesterday, I wonder, you know, obviously they looked like they went smoking fast. They didn't look like they went smoking fast. They did go smoking fast in Tokyo. And we're seeing, well, we think we're seeing like a next level running with Alex Yee and um, Hayden Wild and, and Blumenfeld. Um, how much faster, or are they going any faster than what Brownlee went in London and then wind it back all the way back to Sydney in 2000? And what were those run splits like on the, the male and the female So I've got to guess the run splits. Just ballpark, yeah. London was pretty quick, wasn't it? Brownlee was pretty on fire that day. Yeah, I think I know Brownlee's. Mm-hmm. Oh, you save that till later in the okay. show. Okay, age group of the week, Jumbo. I uh, hope you guys are doing well. Uh, do you think Nicole, you could do a special age group of the week for Sam Perkins, age forty from East Leek? Is that, is that it? Yep, in the UK. Sam this was sent through from good old Tim Hemming. Oh, you didn't actually put that in there. Okay. Um, some points. Sam is 40 years old from East, East Lake in Leicestershire, was diagnosed with motor neuron disease in 2019, also known as ALS in the USA. Diagnosis eventually came when he caught pneumonia after a diaphragm stopped workout. Sam is now in a ventilator and in a wheelchair and almost no movement, but remarkably his voice is okay and his mind is as sharp as ever been. His dad said to me post-race, there is there are many attitudes Sam could have chosen when facing this condition. He picked the best one possible. Let's do one for one on the bullet points. Yeah, Tim, I love bullet points. Good yeah. on you. On diagnosis, Sam quickly drew up plans to do one more try to raise funds for Stand Against Motor Neuron Disease, a charity he set up with his wife, Emma. He was planning to be towed in the swim, pushed on the bike and, uh, and on the run. However, the pandemic put everything on hold for two years and two years in the world of someone living with um, motor neuron disease can be very literally um, <clears throat> their remaining lifetime. 
Uh, when the cha- change arose, when the chance arose again, the outlaw triathlon on Sunday, it was no longer safe for him to do the swim and bike parts, so he adapted. It became a much wider team event, Team Sam, as he called it. His old training partner, Steve, Steve Cobb, uh, the 1.2-mile swim, towing a kayak bearing the load equivalent of Sam's body weight, Sam step, Sam's stepdad, Nick Rawling, in his 60s, hammered around the bike in less than three hours. I've got to say, towing, towing some, a kayak and somebody in a, in a, that must be really hard when you do that. I've got to try that one day. Yeah. Uh, the three-person team for each 5K lap on the run pushed Sam in an adapted wheelchair around the run. The teams are a mixture of those that have supported Sam in his long tri um, who inspired him to take up the sport and those who helped him. There were also a couple of ex-pro footballers from his favourite club, Nottingham Forest. And in the final lap, his wife, Emma, and his two sisters, Rebecca and Victoria. The whole team joined Sam for the finish line push. It was pretty emotional. Sam's a um, remarkable individual. He turned a triathlon in twenty or two oh nine after a chat over a pint at a Christmas with stepdad with his stepdad Nick. At the time he was overweight, a drinker and a smoker. He then threw himself into it and completed over forty events including two iron distance races, Ironman UK in twenty fourteen and the Outlaw Full in twenty sixteen. He is no mean swimmer, clocking twenty one minutes for a fifteen hundred meters, a decent biker and probably not the best runner. Those were his words. More than, more than all of that, he loves to try community. We saw that at the weekend with the amount of support from the other triathletes who gave him a guard of honour at the swim start and supported him around the course, all the spectators who cheered him on and the organisers who bent over backwards to make his day a success. So Emma and Sam have nearly hit their 10,000 um, No, they have now. It's, it's actually, if you, I'm on the site today right now, oh. and over 11,500 pounds. Awesome work. So um, we'll have a link in the show notes if you want to donate some money to um, motor neuron disease, um, what they're fundraising for. And yeah. What an awesome story. You know what? I was talking to someone about this the other day. We had um, two people doing, uh, uh, it was kind of like a mini ultra on the coast a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. A horrific day. Just rained all day. And um, one runner absolutely loved it. Like just, Mm -hmm. you know, Absolutely loved it. From the moment they started right to the end, and another runner just thought this was the horriblest experience of all time. Yeah. And just amazing how much attitude experience determines your mm. experience of life. Eh? Totally. And like, like you know, I'm talking about people with shit conditions. Mm. Man, what Sam's going through. It's rough. So, Alias, you, you guys may recall Chrissy Wellington sort of got yeah. behind that, and that's the when they do the roll across the finish line. Who was um, it? Um, John Blaze. Blaze, yeah. And there was another guy who was on the Kona, the, the Kona coverage, the St. George coverage last year. Um, I think he may have had ALS as well. I'm not quite sure on that. Um, but it's a horrific disease, and it just strikes you down, and you go downhill really fast by the look of it so nice work for these guys fundraising hope sam um has i don't know enjoyed the experience oh, but look, like you see the photos it look pretty cool at the end yeah so sam perkins from east leak in leicestershire you are our age, age group of the week. week and a bloody legend just on that front tim heming was sending through um just some stuff saying about the, the magazine stopping in the US. So he just said, said hey, Bev, the magazines are basically stopping in the US, the triathlon magazines. It's easy to dismiss a print as a bygone era, but I think it's genuinely a sad moment. I don't think I was going to do badly, but I was caught up in the wider vision of outside and the investors involved. Um, I get that most people get their content online these days, but I think the magazines can still be a great way of catching the eye of newbies and getting people into the sport. Other benefits of how much better do photographs look on a glossy spread 
then on a smartphone. So, mm. yeah, it was just kind of saying it's a bit of a sad time for, you know. I like a magazine, but I couldn't tell you the last time I bought one. <laughs> I think, I think yeah, yeah, remember there was a period where one of the magazines was going to do more like a coffee table book. Lava. Yeah, mm. and it was maybe like a quarterly thing. Mm. You know, because even, you know, like, People do buy, some people still buy Macs. Yeah, you're not going to go to a magazine to get your results and things like no, that. No, it's a it's different thing there, mm. isn't it? Mm. And even the, you know, because for a lot of the days, back in the day, it was a lot of kind of, you know, the real basic information, the, mm. the five things you must do kind of lists and stuff like that. And and nowadays, kind of YouTube does that, doesn't mm. it? You know, everyone is on YouTube trying to give tips. So I suppose the question of, if magazines were to have a place in today's world, what would it look like? And to me, it would be probably that stuff, isn't it? Mm. Cool photos, maybe... Mm. And depth stories about individuals, mm. but unfortunately, it's a bit of a dying trade. And, and I get it. Back in the day, did you buy the Macs? Uh, back in the day, way back in the day before the internet, yeah, yeah, definitely. I used to, I'm not triathlon, but mm. guitar mags. Mm. Oh, guitar and guitar, what was it? Guitar notes, mm. and they have a tab in there. Oh, nice. Every week, I go down to the mag shop and buy my yeah. guitar mag. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good times. good times. Okay, let's go website of the week. Now, this is a YouTube video that was done by the spin-off. The spin-off is a, a news website in New Zealand. They're doing this cool series where kind of forgotten athletes is kind of the theme. And legendary New Zealand athletes that maybe aren't getting as much recognition nowadays. And it's about a 15-minute clip of Aaron Baker. And they've done an amazing job, haven't they? They have. I've, I've sort of known 95% of the story and seen it sort of told before. But even still, I watched it and thought it was awesome. It did a really good job of showing the history, mm -hmm. having the right people in it, kind of sharing about her, but also reflecting her personality mm. in, a, in a really good way. It was like I watched the whole thing and you're, you're really captivated. And like you, not at all, mm. but captivated by it. It was really great. Mm. My son watched it and he said, oh, it was really good. It was pretty short. <laughs> I said, you could probably do about a five-hour documentary on Aaron and yeah. still have plenty of content. Yeah. Interesting character. Um, go and listen to our Legends of Triathlon podcast we would have done with her quite a few years ago um, and even the gold. one that I did with her and wrote which I actually think is one of the best interviews I've ever done mm. um, she was awesome that day mm. um, yeah absolute bloody rock star so yeah it's a, I'll put a link to it in the show notes absolute great little watch especially if you love triathlon okay John we're going to interview we have we're talking with Rob Dallymore and it's going to be talking about how to do what, what, what's a Zwift team time trial how you can do it and I think it's a good way to catch up with some mates who are of similar ability and go and smash yourself. Okay, here is the legend. He's, he's give me a legendary status. Oh, yeah. Rob Dallymore. Nice. He's a legendary listener. He's been around for yeah. a long time. Here he is. Here's Rob right now. Righto, team. Uh, I had a little th thought the other day. We've got um, some new smart trainers down here in Christchurch, and one of the things that we want to get going is some some team time trialing on Zwift. And it's something I've never done before, and I know a man who's a bit of an expert in the area, so I thought I'll give Rob Dallymore a, a buzz um, from <laughs> foot traffic up in Auckland, and I thought we'll ask him about it, and I thought it'd be a good chance to sort of do a bit of knowledge sharing with the rest of you guys, and it might be something that, um, that you can get involved as well because it is kind of cool that a lot of us have triathlon friends you know in different parts of the countries that we live in or different parts of the world um, and yet we can't really train together unless we go to events or camps or whatever this is one way you can actually connect up and do something pretty cool together so Rob from Foot Traffic uh, welcome back to the show thanks very much thanks for having me 
<laughs> right, I, I don't even know where to start with this because, well, firstly, a team time trial for people that don't have any idea what it is. It's uh, it, well, you can do it in any sport, I guess, but predominantly in cycling. And you get you're riding along in a team. Traditionally, you do it on the road, and you might have seven people in a team, or five people in a team, or potentially even three. And you've got to stay together and finish together. There is often an allowance for dropping one or two people, um, and you will have seen these this happen in the Tour de France, um, but you've really got to ride as, as a unit. So you can do this on mm. Zwift. So Rob, bef- bef- in terms of getting started, um, you know, how do you actually, I don't know, if someone's just thinking, I'd like to do a team time trial, I've got five mates that I think I can call on or six mates or whatever. How, how do you sort of start about getting getting involved in this? Yeah, well, the, the first thing you need to do is um, associate yourself with, or I'd, I'd get a, um, a sign, sign on to the, the group that set the team time trials up. So on Zwift, the most popular one um, is called WTRL. So WTRL.com. And they, um, they host the team time trials every week. Now, as an example, this week um, was team time trial number 158. So they've hosted one a week for the last 158 weeks, mm-hmm. which is, which is phenomenal. And the amazing thing is it's worldwide um there's 18 time zones so people are racing um basically for new zealand time basically from thursday night 7 p.m all the way through to um i think friday about three o'clock new zealand time is the last time zone so through that time zone through those time zones there'll be people all around the world racing together and if you look at participation numbers it's probably one of the most um highly um participated sports uh, that, that, that you can find because um, at any one time, uh, well, through any, any week, there could be up to, I think, four or 5,000 people racing wow. um, across the board across, through an individuals. So of the team numbers, there's probably three or 400 teams, eight riders in each team, up to eight riders in each team. So it's amazing how many people are actually taking part in this sport, mm. which is incredible. And so for to have done 158 weeks of it, the crew that put it on um, have it so well dialed that it, it does really feel like a, a very, very professional um, situation or event. And, and there's um, categories and there's disqualifications and there's all sorts of things, all sorts of parameters that we'll talk about. But the cool thing is, is there's a what they call a platinum league. So the, the top teams from each grade get to race um, on a live broadcast, which unfortunately is uh, about 10 past 5 a.m. New Zealand time at the moment until until time zones change in October. But um, but you get to race and it's live broadcasted and people will see your team performance and it's it's just a really cool buzz and that happens week in, week out as well. Mm. So so WTRL is the is the organization that puts those events on. And if you go to their website, you can find the team time trial information and that's where you you go to set up your team you need to have and each person has to have an account on their um on their website but from there it's pretty straightforward setting up the team um and but the, the really important thing is to understand the different grades so so they have, they call them coffee classes um and it starts off with uh vienna which is the the top level female um cyclists uh and they're generally all a and a plus level riders um, Dopio, which is uh, which is the the male top level male class, they're basically all A or A plus. Espresso is the next one down, and they are um, all A riders, and they have um, so you can have up to eight 
eight in a team. So um, you can have B and C riders in that espresso class, but it will actually make it quite difficult um, for those other people to keep up with those riders. Mm. Um, you know what it's like trying to keep up with an A or an A class. Mm. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> frappe is where you can have three A's and up to five B's or C's. Um, latte is where you can have three B's and up to five uh, C or D riders. And, and mocha is the last one. And I think mocha you can have up to three C's, uh, three C's and up to five D riders. So you can see as you go down through the grades, it does cater for everybody. But as you go down through the grades, you, you, you find that you um, – you can find a group that actually works really, really well for you. So I, the, the team that I predominantly race in will be either Latte or Frappe. So so we're B riders and we have some Cs that ride with us. Or if I ride in a Frappe team, I'm the B rider who's riding with As. And that's important to understand because um, each, each rider in a team time trial has a certain set of skills and strengths and um, understanding how that team is going to work is really, really important. So and that's from, where the from from an admin point of view, um, who who does what? So does everybody has to register once, and then do you have like a team captain or something that picks the team, a squad each week, and and designates them um, on the website? How does how does the sort of admin side of it work? Yeah, so everybody needs to have a Zwift Power account, um, and and as you know, that's the competitive. Um, uh, that's that's the website that 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 assesses people's level of competitiveness in, in Zwift. So if you have a Zwift Power account and you have your WTRL account, you, you link the two together. So um, it's a one-off It's a one -off sign up to WTRL and Zwift Power. But when um, the captain registers the team, um, we get what's called a race pass. Uh, and that is the pass that's sent to the people that are going to be racing in the team that week. And that person clicks that, clicks that link and it automatically puts them into that into that event. So when they when they uh, are warming up before the race, um, it'll come up with that join events um, option on the screen, and you click that, and you get taken immediately to the start pen of the race that you'll be in, and you'll see the other people in that pen as well, who you'll either be in your team or other people that you'll be racing against. Oh. And that's the ad, the admin side of it is. Um, it's actually quite involved. Like I, I captain my team and I sort of assist with the captaincy of a few other teams. But it's actually taken a long time for myself, for, for me to learn our various riders' strengths and for the, our other riders to, to, to sort of understand the tactics that we race at. Mm. Um, because you can, you can choose to race this event so everybody crosses the finish line together uh, and it's great. It's a, it's a really good, um, you know, it's a really good feeling when you cross the top, cross the line with eight riders. But if you want to win, if you want to win your class, which we try to do every week, you generally have to burn riders off and drop them off along the way and expect, you, you might expect to be a rider that gets dropped off before halfway of the race. And that's just the nature of it. And if it means that you have four riders across the finish line and you win the category, then that's the whole team has contributed to that success. Because if you if you started with four riders, I guarantee that the four riders who crossed the line together wouldn't win the class. But if you start with eight riders and you finish with four across the line, then you have a very, very good chance of, of winning that category. And that's the really important thing because if you're one of those riders that is going to get dropped, it's it's not a pleasant thing because obviously you want to feel like you've 
finished the race or you contributed to it, you still finish, you still carry on riding. But it's it's when you watch the pro tour riders and you watch their team time trials and they're very tactically done, you see that they they do have riders that their specific job is to go to um, you know halfway point in the race or or where there's a key feature of the race and they they go they their finish line is at the bottom of that hill or something like that, yeah. and that's that's where the riders can then learn that okay this is my job um, today my race is twenty minutes as hard as I can go and the team carries on for the thirty five or forty minutes or however long that race will be. Um, so I guess so that's, that four, four riders is what is required to, to get across the line. So you're saying maximum you can have is eight, um, but you basically need to register four across the line or your fourth person across the line is where the yeah. clock is going to stop. If you if you start with five, you can finish with three. Right. Um, but again, um, the, the way the Zwift dynamics work, the larger the group, the faster the, the, faster the bunch rolls. Mm-hmm. So if you have eight people riding together, rolling through that will travel a lot faster than a group of five um so if you can get eight riders up to eight riders that's that's the ideal and that's the best way to do it and and to have a good and to have um strong riders in those um levels that you're allowed to have so if you're racing in a um a latte class to know that your 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 b riders um are very very strong you know ideally at the top of their b category and the C riders are, um, are are strong enough to ride at or near the top of the C category, but um, the, the 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 way the race plays out is they may the C may never take a pull on the front, but their job is to say second or third or fourth wheel cover gaps, um, you know those sorts of things don't get dropped. Keep keep the size of the group large so the recovering B riders can get a um, get enough time before they go back on the front and do their work. Mm. Um, and that's a and that's where the skill comes in. It's taken our team. We we basically started the the team that I'm in is an NZ Bro Muttonbirds, and we started about October last year, September October last year, and we had a goal of of we wanted to win the latte class, and it's really taken us up until um, March to 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 form a team, get a team together, get the get the tactics working right, learn each other's skills, and we we've, we've now won a couple of races. Um, we've placed in quite a few, so it's it's coming together really nicely. But today's one is a disaster, and I'm looking forward to telling you about that. One. <laughs> before, before you tell us about that, just tell tell us about the again. If, if people aren't riding on Swift, their the ears have probably already glazed over and um, maybe not listening already. But for for those that do ride in Swift, you know, compare say doing a team TT to a good hard Swift race. Um, and how it kind of pans out, and, and the differences between the two. Yeah, if you a really good, a really good measure is when you look at Zwift power and you look at your variability from the ride. So the difference between the average power and the normalized power on a and as in a Zwift race, a points race, or a match, uh, um, scratch race, you might see that there's very high variability. So you've done a lot of time sitting in, you've done a few really hard surges to keep up on a hill or on a, on a sprint, and you've finished fast. In a team time trial, that variability is very low. And if, if anything, it, 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 it's, there's no difference between normalised and average power. So it's a very, very steady, strong effort. Um, and we, we actually call it the, um, the FTP, FTP burner because it basically if, if you do a team time trial very well, you will get an FTP upgrade just because you're riding for 45 minutes at pretty much best effort consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a, lot of, a lot of new riders to it will get automatic FTP upgrades just just by nature of um, the way that race is. They haven't done it like that before. 
Um, but it's actually uh, it's actually also very it's it's quite important to understand how the category upgrades work as well. Going from a B from a C to a B graded rider because that can happen quite frequently in team time trials because um, the your Zwift category is based on your best on ninety five percent of your best twenty minute effort. And if you think of a Zwift team time trial, they will go between 35 and 40 minutes, maybe 45 minutes. So it's quite easy, quite conceivable for you to get your, near your best 20-minute effort midway through the race. And today's race was a good example of that where we rode up Box Hill um, as part of the course. And so the 20 minutes is the, uh, the – the, uh, it's basically seven-minute climb. So the 14 minutes leading into it and the seven minutes up that hill – is kind of a ramp test and a lot of people would reach FTP by the, by the top of it or reach an FT, a new FTP level by the top of it. Mm. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's a hard effort. It's a very hard effort. It's not an all out explosive effort. And I, it's actually my favorite form of racing in, in Zwift because it suits the triathletes. It's, it really suits someone who can just pedal hard and steady and strong little harder efforts, a little bit of recovery back on again, rather than um, a punchy explosive rider who, who goes very well on those short, sharp sprints, heaps of recovery, short, sharp sprints. Um, so yeah, you, if you find pretty quickly those who love TTs and those who hate them. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so so you, you mentioned before it's taken you, you know, five or six months to sort of really get into a good groove with your team. So maybe talk yep. us about through some of the challenges you guys faced along the way, along with uh, today's uh, what sounded like debacle. <laughs> yeah. So so the, the important thing to understand is um, Zwift dynamics are heavily dependent on um, your weight and your um your aerodynamics, so how much mass you have um, relative to the power that you're putting out at the time, so, which is your watts per kilo, and also the, the size of your frame, is of, 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 of your body. So taller, so you have to put your, you have to put your height in. So taller riders um, take more power to, to move at the same speed than a smaller rider. But what that taller rider does is they create a larger draft as well. So... So in our team, for example, we've got a guy who's um, – we've got a couple of guys that are over 90 kilos, um, even 100 kilos, and they're big, big dudes, and, and smaller riders can get a, a nice amount of draft off them. Um, and so for that, let's say 40K an hour, for that bigger rider to travel at 40K an hour, they have to um, put out a lower watt per kilo than someone who's maybe 20 kilos lighter. They have to put out a higher watts per kilo. Mm -hmm. So you can get those bigger riders spending more time on the front at a lower effort going the same speed as a smaller rider doing a shorter time on the front at a higher effort. And that's, that's the secret to a team time trial is knowing how your riders are best suited to racing this, these courses. And there are a variety of courses. They're flat and hilly. Um, so, so there is a lot of strategy involved. So the, our challenge initially was to um, – to have each of our riders understand exactly where where their strengths are. If they're a big if they're a big rider, their job is to um, do a lot of their harder efforts on the front on the flat. If they're a smaller rider, we use them on the hills where they can set a, a good steady tempo, but not so fast that the the bigger riders are dropped off the back. And then on the and the, on the downhill recovery, the moderate weight riders tend to come forward, do their harder efforts, and they give the rest of the people a bit of rest on the back. 
because the draft dynamics in Zwift are, are really significant and it's really important. Um, you could you could ride the same speed of a course um, and Matt, let's say um, if it's a for today's race, for example, the time that we did at the team today, I think our I was averaging about 3.8, 3.9 watts per kilo. But if I was to do that time on my own, I'd have to be averaging probably 4.3, 4.4 watts per kilo. Mm-hmm. So you can see how the, the speed of the group is dependent on the size of the group and size of the riders in there and the way it works together. And you do get a draft off the back of the riders um, up to about four or five metres. But beyond four or five metres, it starts to drop away. And that's and if a gap can form, if gap opens, it's very, very hard for that person who's been dropped to close that gap because the speed of the group is much faster than, than, than the individual rider. So then the decision has to be made. And we're talking on Discord through this whole time. So we're talking to each other the whole way. The decision then is made, do we slow down to get this rider back on or has that rider um, had their time and we just need to, leave, need to leave them? Generally, our decision is that we need to let them go unless it's um, a specific rider who has a, who has a certain job coming up later in the race, then we, we will wait for them. But it's a tough decision to make and things that have to be made on the fly. And it's taken us a fair few goes to, to, to get that right and to know when, when the decision is the right one. Do you use um, sort of sweeper riders? So maybe sending one of your stronger guys back to, to help somebody if a, a gap sort of opens up? Yep, definitely. So, so today, for example, when we were coming down Box Hill, and this is how, this is how sensitive it is. We went over the, over the top and one of our, our, our strongest sea rider who we really needed to have with us at the finish because he's quite a big guy and he, 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 create, he creates a lot of speed. He, he lost probably three or four metres at the top of the hill. And as soon as we were on the descent, the group of, of four riders in a super tuck position, we dropped him and he, next thing you know, he was four seconds back. So we had to let one of our stronger B riders drop back to um, bring him back as we closed and, and they, they closed in on us. And this was within the last two or three k's of the race. So it was actually worth having him with us because that contributed a lot to the speed. Um, so it is very easy to to lose a wheel, and for and and then you have to make the decision. Okay, we'll we'll send this person back to bring them up. Generally, that's not my job because I'm not big enough. I don't have high enough raw watts to to bring someone back. Um, but uh, yeah, we've got a couple of big units who who can pump out some decent watts, so that makes it really good. And the other thing that um, that happens is uh, if if we're on a climb, um, often we will use the seas to set the pace because obviously you need to finish with one C. So we need to make sure that the C's aren't doing too much work. Um, and so the C sets the pace and the B's will sit at the back. And if anyone is, a, is looking like they're going to get dropped and we need them, then that B will pull them back up as it flattens out. Mm. Um, and again, that's where the discussions come in. That's where the, the, on Discord, we're talking to each other. We're using different camera angles as well. So quite often the person at the front will use um, the keyboard button six, which is the rear, rear view camera. So you can actually see if, if the lead person is riding away from the group um, or if anyone is getting dropped off. Um, so it's a very, very intricate, very intricate <laughs> process, but it's a lot of fun figuring this stuff out. <laughs> so what, was, what were your debacles today? Okay, so I said that we raced in, in the latte class. So we need three Bs, five Cs. So I uh, and because I'm the captain, I basically create the selections based on the course. So I'll, I'll, we've got a pool of riders. We've got about three three teams that we basically run, and we'll distribute those riders around the different teams based on how we want the races to go. So we wanted to win 
today's race. And to do that, we needed um, two big two big Bs um, and the rest of the Cs we needed to be able to hold 3.2 watts per kilo for the duration of the race. And so we had, we had a couple of good riders who were able to do that. Um, but the, my mistake was I, I didn't double check one of the Zwift Power rankings for one of our riders. And I thought I had a feeling he was a C, but he was actually a B. So we entered the race with four Bs, which meant we got upgraded to the next class up because we had more than three. <laughs> yeah. And so we we finished the race. And so we, we and because we race at a at a later time zone, I've got the finished results from all the previous races from earlier earlier before us. So um, I've got a good indication of how we are placed on the race course. And I'm thinking, okay, we're 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 in the fastest at the stage. We're going really well. We dropped a couple of seconds just in this descent where we lost one of our riders off the back. And uh, we ended up crossing the line a second, which is great. But then um, once once WTRL recalculates and scrutinizes the results, they would have seen that we had four B riders and we got dropped back, back to the next category, which we, we finished about 27th. Yeah. Deck <laughs> of the day. <laughs> that was terrible. I felt so bad for my team because, you know, everyone, everyone, you know, everyone's given their 100%. Yeah. And we pride ourselves on being able to turn up, think we've got a good shot at winning it, and to have come second very, very closely, and then be relegated to the next the next grade. I thought, oh man, I have really messed up. So I took responsibility for it. Apologised to the boys. Said it won't happen again. Yeah. <laughs> but those little things, those little things happen, and it's it's amazing. You know, you can have a you can have a, a Wi-Fi dropout, or you can have a um, an internet, a, a Bluetooth or an AMP Plus dropout midwives for no reason at all and and suddenly you've got to figure out quickly how, how are we going to deal with this you know um what's what's our what's the what, what's the best thing to do here so it takes a long long time don't be despondent if you do one race and it turns into a complete failure because mm-hmm. i promise you after a couple of goes at it you'll begin to feel how these races are meant to be done and and how much fun they actually can be and we um we record them and we live stream them so we can always go back and have a look at tactics and you know see if, if where a gap may have formed if one rider has to work on certain certain skills or, or be if we need to be a little bit more aware if someone's a bit surgy that we need to sort of train them to be a bit more consistent on the power mm. um and then uh, you know the other thing that comes down to is um is the bikes and wheel selection that you go for because that has a huge bearing as well so so um obviously if you've got an aero frame with a disc wheel that's the most aerodynamic setup and we generally put our b riders on those those setups regardless of the course whether it's hilly or flat because um, when they're on the front they're they're going the fastest and then uh, we'll decide which bike is the best for the c riders to know that they can keep up and they'll be strongest when we need them to be Mm. so there's all that strategy comes into it as well um and that's all part of the fun and the the, it's not like a individual time trial that you know, where we have done previously with the Tri-NZ races where you're on a time trial bike mm. um, and you can't draft. You're actually on a road bike and there is drafting enabled. So if you t- if you turn up on a time trial bike to a team time trial, um, you won't receive any draft and um, you'll, you'll be no use to your team. Mm. So don't make that mistake. <laughs> um, from your knowledge, do others do this more as a sort of slightly social outing and, and still do a sort of a tempo ride, but not necessarily racing it all the time? Have, have you Absolutely. seen much of that? Yeah, yeah. So so the club that I'm in, which is called NZ Bro, we, we've got a lot of riders that will do this as a social thing. And, it, and it's, uh, you know, it's, just, it's a 
it's it's your it's your weekly group ride you know it's it's basically what it is it's it's your shop ride but with the safety in the safety of your own garage and it really has it really has served a purpose where i mean you know what it was like when lockdown hit and try and started these races and it just exploded but it served a purpose where races had disappeared from the real world but there was always racing online there's always an opportunity to get online and actually do something that you felt was giving you that competitive um the feeding competitive juices and giving you something to go for and because it's um because you're able to talk to people on discord there is it's just like riding alongside your mates mm. and uh you know it's it's actually it's actually really fun and it's actually the thing that i really look forward to every week like already now i'm looking at next week's race going all oh, right now i can't wait to get stuck into this mm. you know it's 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 and you know and you're talking through the week as to how we're going to approach it who's in the team what's what's the strategy going to be you know it's and, and that's that's the fun of it um and and i sort of i, I I sort of encourage people to put their blinders away about the negative side of riding indoors and, and, and losing um, that social side of things and, and losing the skills of riding a bike because it, it actually, it actually doesn't do that. It actually does provide very, very good fitness and very good training for outdoor racing or outdoor riding, but with that, with the safety um, aspect of it. And then when you do go outdoors, that's when you practice your skills and you hone your cornering, your climbing techniques and stuff. But this is the, this is the social group ride that has sort of stopped over the last couple of years for safety and, and mm. COVID reasons. And, and this has taken its place, which is, which is exactly what we want. Mm. The one risk, the one risk I, I always say is you can over race yourself. Like, mm. you know what it's like, John, it's, it's so easy just to turn on Zwift. Oh, there's a race. So I'm going to do that. And suddenly that race turns into a, a near max effort for 30 or 40 minutes. And um, it's, <laughs> and that's not the best thing for you. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, if you if you are committing to these sort of events, pick those ones which you really enjoy. Do those, do them well, and and just 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 leave the other ones aside unless there's some specific events coming up that you know you really want to do. Mm. Now, I, I've never done one before, team, so I can't necessarily give my opinions on this. But I think in terms of um, actually, you know, trying to connect with a few people that you know in different parts of the country or different parts of the world and, and having a catch up. And as Rob said, um, you know, setting up a Discord channel and uh, and not necessarily treating it as a race. I think it's, um, yeah, it sounds, sounds like all good fun. So yeah. I I'm will, just looking uh, at your, uh, your Swift Power now. Actually, you've got some pretty good numbers. You'd go well on our team. <laughs> not at the moment, I wouldn't. <laughs> get rid of this bloody COVID and I'll be fine. Um, um, the one, the one you did mention a little bit. Uh, I mean, the, the one cool thing about this is you can be racing with people from any anywhere in the world. And so, um, one of our teams that we run, we have a Norwegian, we have a Scotsman, uh, we have a couple of Americans, we've got some Australians, and it's just it's just so cool riding along someone you've never seen before. You never you never looked at them in the face, but you know their voice. You know exactly about them, and you you learn so much more about what life you know what cycling is to them and um that's what's really been enriching for me as as i know now if i ever travel to norway i've got a mate there that i can just go for a bike ride with and it's that's that's the cool thing about it you know you're in your own little world your own little shed um across the other side of the world but um but you're together in the same screen and it's quite magical it's quite cool and is there, so, um, you, you talked about your NZ Bro sort of club. Um, are there other clubs around the world? You know, if individuals are listening to this going, oh, this sounds really cool, um, but I don't necessarily know, you know, 
seven or eight people of similar ability to me. Is there many, many sort of clubs you can go and just join up to and say, hey, I want to give this a go. This is sort of my, my Zwift profile. Yeah, there's heaps. So if you if you go onto Facebook and you go to the one, either the, I think the Zwift Riders um, or the WTRL Facebook group um, and just say that you're um, interested in joining a club or a team and, and if you share your Zwift Power, your Swift Power account, um, people can get a quick snapshot of who you are, what you do, mm. and um, they might just say, "Hey, we need you in our team." And and actually, quite a few of our our, our races we've picked up just because someone has said, "Hey, I'm up for a team," and we grabbed mm. them, and they've turned out to be fantastic. So don't be shy in putting yourself out there. Um, you can you a lot of those teams, a lot of those clubs. If you look at um, if you look on Zwift Power and you see some of the clubs that people around you are in, if you join up to those. Um, those clubs or teams on Facebook or on their website, they're really, really encouraging and really, really friendly and really open. So, um, you know, I found it a great, it's, it's been a great way to just, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's your cycling club. It's just, it's mm. just a virtual cycling club. And the other thing is um, what we've noticed is um, like, even though it's NZ, it's New Zealand, we've, we've got people from all over the world that, that race for our, our team, but I am, um, you know, I, I raced for a previous club, um, which was UK-based, and that was cool as well because, um, you know, you, 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 certainly, you certainly get a feel for how New Zealanders are respected in other countries and other sports uh, and, and other um, lifestyles. And it was kind of cool just to have a sense of pride um, being a New Zealand athlete on a, on a massive, a massive um, platform. And, um, you know, we, we stand up for ourselves. It's, it's, it's really cool. So, um, yeah, I encourage everybody to get into it. Excellent. So, guys, if you want to check out Rob, you can go see him at foottraffic.co.nz based up in Auckland. Uh, so, and, he's, and he sometimes does a bit of commentary on our New Zealand coverage. And, yeah, you hear him from time yeah. to time on IM Talks. So, it's awesome. Anything else, Rob, um, to get off your chest here with regards to this that we haven't covered? Um, yeah, actually. So, there's a, whole, there's a whole discussion around cheats on Zwift. <laughs> yeah. And they, <laughs> they do exist. And they're out there, but the, the higher the higher the um, scrutinise and the higher the rank races, the less you see it. And so I, I basically don't do a community race now because I know that I'm 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 going to be riding beside someone who could be a world tour pro, um, but um, we know full well that they're not just <laughs> you know they've yeah. they've dropped their weight or they've they've souped something up in their power meter. So so yeah, they exist and they are there, but they're in the they're in the masses in Zwift. If you go to the the community, the, the 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 club races, the team races, um, all those sorts of things, those people get pretty quickly get found out, and um, that you know they're not welcome to race against. So, so I'll, you know we'll, we'll be racing against people that I know are legitimate and I know um, are, are good, honest athletes. And um, if anyone does sort of turn up and takes a race by storm, you do a little bit of digging into it, you sort of find out that. They're not all they say they are. Um, you know, there are ways to report that person and, and they won't be welcome in the events that we do. Um, and, and that's one thing that policing of this sort of thing is getting a lot better. And there's a lot of room to improve, but it's definitely getting better than it was a few years ago. So it's not the Wild West like it used to be. <laughs> so, so, yeah, if, if, you're a little bit, if you're a little bit frustrated about having some 14-year-old um, some um, kid dropping you on a on a sprint at 20 watts a kilo or whatever that's it's not likely to be the truth and and if you find the the better races they won't they won't have a place in those 
So, um, yeah. Awesome. Any any <laughs> racing plans for you in the real world, Rob, coming up? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually racing on the road on Sunday. I'm mm-hmm. really looking forward to that. Um, bike race up in T- Tokoro Dynamo Series. And um, then I'm going to – I'm just nursing a wee uh, shoulder injury from a mountain bike crash. So, um, <laughs> yeah, <I'm the> <laughs> yeah, the triathlon's taking a back seat. But as soon as we get to next summer, I'm really looking forward to the, the um, 70.3s. And I'm going back to Challenge Roth next year. So um, ah, that'll, be, that'll be great. Ah, awesome. You're going to be there as well? Yep. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> looking forward to it. Have a good deal. Awesome, Rob. Love your work as always. And I might see you Thanks, on a Zwift team time trial sometime soon. Yeah, you know you know where to find me. <laughs> Thanks, mate. John, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's all good. I'm going to definitely um, have, have a little play around with this. No, I have not. But it's it's as, as you heard with Rob, it's quite a skill getting these things right. And um, in terms of the results and stuff, you take all that stuff with a grain of salt when you're doing everything online. We know that. But it's um, I just want to try to you know, doing a team time trial is quite a bit of fun if you're relatively similar ability and there is quite a bit of skill involved in terms of keeping a group together. It's not dissimilar to doing it out on the road. Quite apt with this in terms of um, with the sub seven, sub eight coming up the week after next. It's going to be really interesting to see how these guys handle it on the, the you know, doing a, a, however many they're going to have, eight man time trial or nine, whatever it's going to be on the bike and keeping it smooth for the, the you know the main men to be able and females to be able you, to hold it together. You know, because do you think they're just a traditional circle and, and the guy will just with all the female will sit at the back? Uh, I don't know, but I would have thought that they'll ride uh, in just straight line. I would have guessed, but I'm not quite sure. So, that, so you basically have uh, a Maybe a they'll ride to a breast. I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't know. Which gives it two of would probably give you better drive. Yeah, it definitely it? would. If you sit in the middle of the, the back mm. of it. Mm. Yeah. Because I'm sure they'll put, well, they'll be putting, we'll see, because they're, obviously they're putting a lot of thinking into this. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting times. Okay, let's go to our winger of the week. week. And we've got good old Hamish Wool from Christchurch, New Zealand. Hamish, I don't hit the wall. Nice. Nice. He's on fire. He did a, did a uh, well, he's got good photos festival up in the hill here. That was on our little uh, mini camp we did a few weeks ago, um, and he was up in the hills. Now, one thing that was kind of ironic about this is, you know, Strava, you always record everything on Strava, you know. Whenever you go, go for a bloody walk or you go for a run. He's got a Strava set up on his treadmill. If it's not on, if it's not on Strava, it didn't happen. And I'd actually done this, Hamish, I think was number 43 on the list, and that's what random.org came up with so I thought Hamish I know he's done a swim a bike and a run last uh, last week because I've seen him at all three and then last night he didn't know but he turns up turns up went for a run and he didn't have his watch on I thought you're oh. not going to be on that leaderboard this week on Strava are you mate come on anyway um, Hamish is off to Ironman Cairns in a few weeks no, Train- I'm just questioning him about this because Hamish's got the photo of his treadmill and he's got the Strava mm-hmm. running app and on, a, on like an iPad in front of him but I don't know if this treadmill is that modern so no, it, is, it is modern it's a, oh, very, it is. it's a very new treadmill okay so <laughs> yeah. that treadmill is actually working with Strava it's not like his watches um, <clears throat> the, tre- the, the iPad won't be controlling the treadmill yeah. that's the next stage that we want to get to is having a treadmill that's that controlled by Strava basically it's controlled by no it's controlled by Zwift you mean oh, sorry, uh, so yeah, if you're going up a hill in Zwift then the treadmill's going to go up and down and things like that so we're not there and yet and so this is using his watch to link to his 
Zwift. Uh, you get it? a little pod. Either, you can get it, either have a foot pod or you can have something on your treadmill as well. Oh, okay, cool. It's working off that. Yeah, okay, nice. Um, okay, so so hold on. Um, so last week, what did Hamish crank out? Let's have a let's have a look. See here. Hold on. Bear with. Bear with. Bevan, you tell us something interesting. Well, he had a big November. Was it maybe did a camper yours November last year? He smashed it out in a massive period of time. Did uh, did 180k on yesterday? Was it? Uh, the day before yesterday. 180k on the bike. What's he training for? Ironman Cairns in a couple of weeks' time. Oh, good stuff. So he's getting it up there. And last week, yeah, he was number 43. Well, at least he was yesterday. And he's still number 43. 16 hours and 7 minutes of training. 4 hours and 1 minutes in the swim. 7 hours, 53 minutes on the bike. And 4 hours and 12 minutes running. And that did include 180k ride on, on Sunday. And what are we looking at here in terms of Hamish's predicted times? He's got a predicted time of 42.42 for 10k, probably a bit quicker than that um, in a real race. He's got a predicted time 1.32, longest bike ride he's ever done, 217.5 kilometres, which was in um, when he did the, what's that tour they do, the Five Passes Tour. Oh, yeah. Um, I like the way his form goggles show you the, give the, the screenshot. Yep. That's quite cool. Well, that's good marketing for them. Yeah. And yeah. Getting ready for to smash it in a couple of weeks' time. Good luck in Ken's, mate. It's, it's uh, you know, might you go visit my daughter at the pub. There you go. Yep. You go say hello to my daughter. I don't know what pub it is, but she's <laughs> so Hamish Wall. You are our winger, winger of the week. week. Okay, so Thorsten told us off. He said, "Hey guys, a quick note regarding some of your statements." Oh, that's not in capitals. He does. He's <laughs> yeah, capitalized it, bolded it um, about the pro Kona slots in your latest episode. There are no requirements to validate slots, so for Dino Langer. Charles Barclay are safe for Kona in 2022. The St. George winners, Danny and Christian, get automatic slots for the next five world championships. Obviously, no need to validate for Kona 22. That might change for 23 and later. I wonder why. Well, normally you've got a validate. Oh, okay. Sorry, the validation. COVID, five yeah. slots. Uh, for St. George, the normal podium slots did not apply. Instead, there were eight M. Male slots and eight female slots with roll downs. So normally, I think if you got second or third, was that the criteria? Again, Torsten, you have to correct me yeah, again. To, yeah. I think then they got a, maybe a slot for the next year but had to validate. I think that was the case. Anyway, Torsten's always got an up-to-date list of who's qualified for Kona on tryrating.com slash Kona-2022. Uh, and yeah, there's plenty of people on that list. Plenty of people on that list. Well, well it's interesting. Females, we've got 34 already qualified. Mm-hmm. And males have only got 34 as well. So, yeah, it's well, supposed to be an even field this year. Yeah, yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Mm. Um, gotta say, Dawson, you rock. You know, what a great, great man for our support he is. The amount of time mm. and effort he puts into the sport. His website's great. Obviously, the PTO have got behind him. Um, mate, you do great work. Keep it up. Well, he's got behind the PTO. Well, yeah, but yeah, mm. exactly. Mm. Okay, uh, Jombo, the quiz question. Okay, I reckon he's 29 in London. Mm hmm. So I'm going to say, and back in Sydney, so that's a big difference. Mm. In Sydney, and was it a fast course? Yeah, it had a few ups and downs in Sydney. I'm going to say 30. Right. In the 30. So just, do I have to get the minute? Yeah, you've got, to, you've got to go high, low, or mid. So 29. Okay, I'll go, I'll go low 29. For London. Brownlee. Yeah. I'll go low 30 mm-hmm. for um, who had the fastest run. Well, I'm assuming Simon Whitfield, he won the gold medal and okay. it came down to a running race. Okay, cool. And then in Tokyo. And we're only talking boys here. I've got to, we will mention the girls in a moment. Yeah. Uh, in the Tokyo. Well, then you got a high 28s. Okay. 
I'm going to go on the boys' side. I think so go did, Sydney first. Uh, Sydney first. I'm going to go 29, mid-29, mid, mid, mid to high 29. They say 29.40. Okay. Um, so I've got to find London, London, I reckon. Will that be on the PTO? Uh, no, I'll find it pretty quickly. Or yeah, I'll, I'll find it in a second. We have okay. to have a pause. Okay. Uh, I'll go for, to- for for London and Tokyo, both 28 high, really close to 29 is what I'm thinking. And on the female side, I'm going for who won in Sydney? Um, it was Bridget McMahon. She won from bloody nowhere. I'm going to say she ran a, a 30, 34 flat and then we had... London and then London was the sprint finish. Wait a second. So what did you say for London? I said thirty-four flat for the. F- oh, I haven't got to London. I'm just done to London. Oh, you're doing females. Sorry. Yep. And then for London for the females, I'll say thirty-three high. And then in Tokyo, it was Flora Duffy. I'll go thirty-three high again. Okay. So, so I've let's got, have a pause because I've got I've got London. And I've got Tokyo. Okay. Okay. So Tokyo, what would you say? 28 high for the guys. And I think I said 28 high as well, didn't I? Mm, yeah. 30, 20, yeah. 20, yep. yeah. No, 29, 34. Right. Yeah. Heat conditions. Yep. Yep. Uh, does it have the females there as well? I said 33 I high, the I females, think. But uh, females. So sexist. So just. Oh, I was going to say so is, so is Wikipedia, but it's, it's the means. Uh, <laughs> Let's have a pause and get it all in front of us. Okay, pause. Okay, we're back. Um, so, what do I, so, okay, so. So Ford. Sydney, Simon Whitfield took it out. So he I said low I said low thirties. I can't remember what I said, but he ran thirty fifty two. That's that's high thirties, I didn't get that. Yeah, no, none of us got that. Uh and then on the female side in Sydney, I think I said thirty four. Yep. Thirty five thirteen. We're they're not going as quick as we no. think. Uh and then we move on to London, I said twenty nine and the female. So I'm gonna say twenty for the for London twenty I'm gonna say thirty three thirty for the female. We had twenty nine oh seven by Alice. So I got, I got that right. Yeah. What'd you say? Oh, I said, I think I said 29. Oh, did you just? Live as well. <laughs> uh, Nicholas Spurrick took that out, 33.41. So I'll give me that. That's right. I, I, think, we're, I think we're both in that okay, sort of ballpark. Yep, yep. And then in Tokyo again, so Blumenfeld did a 29.34. So that was, we're both lower than that. We both said in the 28s. And then the females. Florida Duffy, 33 flat. Yeah, that's smoking, isn't it? So, yeah. She was 52 seconds ahead of the next person. And it was hot conditions. So Flora Duffy's raised that bar. She's next level. Mm. Oh, there we go. That's a good question. Um, okay, this is a uh, quiz question. Hopefully you got that right at home as well. Now I'm just trying to find my show notes as I'm talking here. John Swimsead. Okay, Last one for a few weeks because I won't be in a pool for a couple of weeks. What did we do this morning? We did a 400 warm-up, then... What do we do? 300 metres of 25 kick, 25 drill, 25 free. Then we did 9 100s, descend 1 to 3, 4 to 6, 7 to 9. 100 easy IM, just to loosen the old arms off a bit. Then 1K moderately hard, so around just a little bit quicker than half Ironman pace, probably more about close to Olympic effort. 100 easy. And then 825 sprints, 200 warm down. I think it was 3.3. Good session. Just a shame the old body's not quite responding how I want it to. Well, you're racing two weeks. I know. That's a little issue. Yeah, it is. You can't load it now, mate. Taper taper time this week for the next few days and then into the camp and then crank it for a few days and then ease into the race. 
I guess we've got our patrons. We have Tom Commander Pyro Salbray. We've got Tim Superstar Carpenter and Jonathan the Ringer Pike. I guess if you want to become a patron, go www.imtalk.me. For those who are patrons, you guys rock. Uh, if you want to get show email to you, uh, I am talk. I'll just go to the same website down the front page. CoachJohnHouston4.com for some coaching. My podcast, BevanJamesIsles.com. My book's coming out soon, so be ready for that. Uh, and other content, you can email us at imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Jombo, you goss. Uh, I was telling Bevan before, I've got well, uh, a new slogan for an airline. begins with Q. It's not <laughs> Qatar Airlines. The new slogan could be, we are the world's worst airline. Or well, they Qantas, yeah, unbelievably bad. I've had the the worst experience going. With Tell Qantas. us about it, John. Let it out. I've just spent hours and hours and hours and hours on hold for a simple process of buying a ticket, and it's done my head in. And it's the second time I've had a bad experience with Qantas, so they're dead to me. Although, hopefully, you guys don't listen to this before I actually fly over and back and yeah. be, be nice to me on the plane. Yeah. Um, Bevan, that took up quite a bit of my time this last week, and then I'm off to Cairns tomorrow. So, looking forward to that, and it's going to be a little. Warmer than what it is in Christchurch this morning. How long? How warm is it? it it's always the same in Kona. It's always thirty degrees every day, isn't it? That's it's nice. pretty consistent. It'd be nice to be going to because it, we've been hit with winter, haven't we? Uh, Last couple of days, it's beautiful days. Beautiful, but it snows are on the mountain. It snows on the mountain. A little bit of a frost. Just that change of season. We're not quite ready for it. It's all good though. It's, it's all good. It's all sun's good. sun's shining. The sun is shining. Mm. So that was, I've really not, not much else happening in the last week or so. It's just been ticking along. Sick child at home. Oh, what's wrong? Not COVID, but he's got, it feels like COVID. He's just like KO'd oh, and has been for a few days. So that's no good. At least if you got COVID, get it out of the system. Pain of COVID because last three weekends we've been meeting to catch up mates. Mm-hmm. Every weekend our mates get COVID. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Maybe it's me. Yeah. Maybe they don't want to hang out with me that's blaming COVID. Mm-hmm. Oh, Bev, oh. I've got COVID. Blame COVID. You blame it for What's everything. What's your weakest excuse you've ever used when you know when you're, you're trying to get out of something oh, that know. you know you're lying, but you're just getting out of it? Um, I haven't got I haven't got a good example. You must have one, have you? No, I haven't. But my strategy is just don't give an excuse. Mm. Just say I can't make it. Yeah. Don't even justify it. Mm. When someone asks me, if someone asks me to do something I don't want to do, or, or I'd say, oh, sorry, I can't do it. Or mm. you know, when you've got to change something, mm. you know, hey, sorry, I can't make this. Don't tell them why. <laughs> Just I don't I can't make Just it. Tell them a lie. <laughs> yeah, tell them yeah. not lying. Hey, sorry, mate, I, I can't make that at ten o'clock. There you go. <laughs> why not? <laughs> why not? Because I can't make it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, oh yeah. So, so no, not much happening. What really. are you most looking forward to to go to Kona? Well, I was going to do my high five today, and that was going to be a negative followed up by a positive. But we'll uh. maybe include that in next week's show. So I'm just looking forward to a bit of warmth and smooth roads. Just when. When you when you're starting to get ready for this uh, this race and this camp, you start doing quite a bit of race specific work. You know, sort of 30, 60, 90 kilometres at half Ironman effort, and you really it's a reasonable power output, and you're just trying to hold it together, and you're just getting vibrated off your bloody bike, yeah. and it's just rattle, rattle rattle rattle, and it's just painful after a while. Especially if you're having a bad day. If you're having a good day, you just roll on through with it. But last week, was it last Tuesday? I think it was. I think it was last Tuesday. I was doing a 90 kilometer ride at half Ironman effort and it was going to be quite a quite a quite a task to sort of complete it first half went okay started to fade a little bit and then got to that last third and was really fading quite badly to hold it on so I was working quite hard 
and just the roads, it just distracts you and you just start hating the roads. Um, got through it just, but it was a bit of a struggle. So I'm a looking question. forward to some smooth why, roads. Why do we have shit roads? Because surely, I like don't everywhere know else the in the world, that. you know, like... Uh, I'm sure it must, not, cost yeah, it must be cost, cost and durability. Yeah, it's interesting. But, elsewhere in the world don't do it, but, mm. you know, so... Interesting. Oh, well, there you go. Bevan, uh, what's happening for you? Anything much? Um, other than this book, John. No. <laughs> Not much. My life. Um, it's got very one-dimensional, my life. Mm-hmm. We, we, had a, we had a work drinks on Saturday night or Friday night. Uh, went to Kaiser. You go to Kaiser? No. Oh, I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Good food, good atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Really nice, good place. Um, went there and uh, people go, what have you been up to? My book, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for five weeks to go, and I tell you what, we're looking forward to doing some. I'm going to Hemna, going to Hemna. John and I are going to Hemna good. this weekend. Nice, Hemna's yeah. always good, yeah. Hemna is good, it's close, mm-hmm. it's gonna be pretty cold, so mm-hmm. we might do the hot pools, mm-hmm. uh, sit in other people's hair, and f- yeah, yeah. <laughs> add a bit of pee to it. <laughs> um, yeah, go to Hemna. We need a romantic weekend away, so we're gonna have a there romantic go. weekend away. What's your favorite restaurant in Hemna? There's no good restaurants. No, in there is no. one. Is there? The one is you're hitting it kind of across the road from the pool, not not the pub. Mm. There's actually a really classy restaurant, and it's actually mm. they do good food. Mm. Yep. So okay. yep, we're going there. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia car. car.